You want to know the love of God poured out into your life today. You say, yeah, I know that there's a great God and he's a sovereign ruler and he knows everything about me. But what I really need is to know the love of God poured into my heart today. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick, and Colin, there may be someone listening today who says, yes, I know I need that love of God poured into my heart, but how do I go about it? Yeah, well, two things. Stop grieving the father and start loving his son. We're in the story of Joseph, and we're looking at the transformation that happened in the brothers' lives, and they had greatly grieved their father with their lies and with their acts of, uh, of evil. The change that came about was that they stopped grieving the father. They confessed what they had done to the father. And they had been so antagonistic towards the dearly loved son. And that changed as well. There's a wonderful story here that we're looking at today about reconciliation with God. There's been all this tension in this family, the family of Jacob. But now there's reconciliation. Now love begins to flow. And all of this is pointing us to how we can be reconciled to our father. And it happens through his dearly loved son, Jesus Christ. We see that in Genesis chapter 44. So if you can, open your Bible and follow it with us as we continue this message, Tested and Transformed. Here's Pastor Colin. Now, the test that Joseph devises really comes in two parts, a smaller one and a much more significant one. The smaller one is right at the end of chapter 43, um, where the brothers are brought the banquet in Joseph's house. And uh, I wonder if you noticed this when it was read last week. The last verse of 43, portions were taken to them from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. Put a bunch of brothers together and give one five times as much on his plate as all the rest. What kind of reaction do you think you're going to get? Now you see what's happening here. Joseph is watching very, very carefully. What's going to happen? Are they going to start muttering and complaining? Are they going to immediately start up on, why does Benjamin get more than us? He always seems to be the favorite. Why is he so favored? Is that antagonism going to come out? Is, is what was so visceral within them going to be evident even around the table? Why is this person blessed more than me? But nothing like that happened. So, so far, so good. Then, chapter 44, the brothers leave and Joseph has the steward place his own silver cup inside the sack that belonged to Benjamin. And shortly after the brothers have left uh, Joseph's home and left the city, Joseph's men go out after the brothers in order to confront them. In verse 4 of chapter 44, they say, Why have you repaid evil for good? And they accuse the brothers of taking the silver cup that belonged to Joseph. Well, of course, the brothers are very confident that they have done nothing wrong. Verse 8, how could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? Whichever of your servants is found with it shall die, and we also will be my Lord's servant. I mean, that's a statement of huge confidence. There's no way in the world that any of us has taken the silver cup. Well, one by one, they take their sacks down, and the sacks are opened. Try and imagine the scene as Joseph's men make the inspection. There's nothing in Reuben's sack. He was the oldest. Nothing in Simeon's. Nothing in Levi's. 
Nothing in Judas. The brothers are standing there going, See? Told you? Told you? Then, verse 12, they come to Benjamin's sack. And when the sack of the youngest brother is opened, there's a glint of the sun reflecting on silver. And all the brothers are astonished, and they are dismayed. Now, friends, this moment is the turning point of the story. Because I want you to think about the situation that the brothers are now in. The cup is in Benjamin's sack. The easiest thing for these brothers would be to look at each other and say, the only way out of this is for us to give up Benjamin. I mean, let's face it, it's his life against ten of ours. And the cup is in his sack. And he's the dearly loved son. Let him go and join Joseph in Egypt. I mean, maybe the two of them may meet up for all we know. The gain for the brothers would be far more than the 20 pieces of silver that they got for Joseph. The gain for the brothers if they gave up Benjamin at this moment was they could go back and have their own freedom. We can live our lives. All we need to do is give him up. Then we can live as we please. And they didn't even need to lie. They could go back to the old man and they could tell him the truth. They could say, here's what happened and it's very, very sad. And we know it's going to bring you intolerable grief. But the man in Egypt, he made Benjamin a slave. What could we do about it? We were completely overpowered. I mean, there were all their military there inspecting the sacks. The, the cup was uh, it's in Benjamin's sack. It was beyond our poor dad. There was absolutely nothing we could do. So do you see that when the cup was found in Benjamin's sack, the brothers were put right back in the same position as they had been standing over the pit with Joseph more than 20 years before. And the two questions in front of them were exactly the same. Would they grieve the heart of the father? And would they give up the dearly loved son? And I say that verse 13 is the great moment in this story, though it would be very easy to pass over it. But look at the transformation that becomes evident here. Whereas before they had been very happy to grieve the father and very happy to give up the dearly loved son, now when they stand with exactly the same test, verse 13 says, and they tore their clothes and every man loaded his donkey And they returned to the city. That is, with Benjamin, they came back to Egypt. There's the evidence of the transformation right there. Brothers, we cannot go back to the father and add sorrow to his sorrow. We cannot give up Benjamin, his dearly loved son, who is indeed our brother. And I picture Joseph in his mansion, the governor's house, And he's looking out the window. And there's only one question in his mind. There are two possibilities here. One is that if they give up the dearly loved son as they gave up me, then Benjamin will come back alone with my men. But if they have changed, they will not bring grief to the father. 
And if they have changed, they will not give up the dearly loved son. And when I look out of that window, I'm going to see every one of them standing in solidarity with the dearly loved son and standing with him, irrespective of whatever that's going to cost them. And can you imagine the joy of Joseph's heart when he looks out and he sees, verse 13, every man having loaded his donkey and every one of them returning as one with Benjamin to the city. We cannot give up the dearly loved son. Now, when they come back to Joseph, and who knows what's going to happen now, it is Judah who steps forward and speaks to Joseph. And remember, he still doesn't know that the one he's speaking to is his brother. And I want you to notice, because this theme runs right the way through, that the two great themes in the passage that was read to us, the two great themes in the intercession of Judah are love for the father and love for the favored son. Notice this with me. I hope you have your Bible open. But Judah refers to his father no less than 15 times in verses 18 to 34. When the passage was read to us, I wonder if you noticed that. Father, 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 father. It keeps coming. I'm not going to point all 15 to to you, but you can count them if you're inclined to do so. But look at verse 19. My Lord asked his servant, saying, have you a father or a brother? And we said to him, we have a father, an old man, and a young brother, the child of his old age, and his father loves him. Verse 22. We said to my Lord, the boy cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. Verse 34. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would find my father. Now put yourself in Joseph's shoes as he is listening to all this from Judah who has brought such grief to the father's heart. And Judah's pouring out, my father, my father, my father, I can't bring this pain and sorrow to my father. And Joseph's thinking, my brother has really changed, really changed. He cares about the father. And then notice the love for the favored son, for Benjamin. Verse 33, Judah says, Now, therefore, please let your servant, he's referring to himself, please let me remain instead of the boy, instead of Benjamin. Let me be a servant to my Lord and let the boy go back with his brothers. Now again, put yourself in Joseph's shoes as he hears this pleading that is put out by Judah here. This is a remarkable transformation. Judah was the one who proposed selling Joseph as a slave. Now Judah is the one who proposes that he himself should become the slave in order that his brother should go free. He is the one who proposes that he should become a substitute for his brother. And that whatever might happen to his brother instead would happen to him in order that his dearly loved brother could go free. What needs to change? The core of transformation that is brought about in a human life by the Holy Spirit to stop grieving the Father and to start loving 
the Son. You're listening to Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Tested and Transformed. And we've been looking at what it means to love the Father and love the Son. When we come back, we're going to look at some really practical applications, so I hope you'll stay with us. And if you ever miss any of our broadcasts, you can always hear them again or catch up on our website. That's openthebible.org.uk. Now back to the message. Here's Pastor Colin. Now, I want to draw three uh, very simple applications uh, from this story today. One from Judah, one from the brothers, and then one very briefly from Joseph. First, the application from Judah. Judah stepping forward as the intercessor. Judah saying, let me take the place of Benjamin. Judah offering himself as a substitute. You can't can't help but see in that as he makes this great intercession, uh, a forecasting of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who gave himself as the substitute for us. By the way, isn't one of the most beautiful things about this story that you start seeing pointers to Jesus Christ all over the place, primarily through Joseph, but also through Benjamin, and now even through Judah? And think about how he points us to Jesus. I wonder if you've noticed that as the story goes on, it's Judah who steps forward and takes the lead in this story. Back in chapter 43, it was Judah who stepped forward and said to Jacob, let the boy go with me, and he offered himself as a surety for Benjamin. Now in chapter 44, it's Judah who steps forward as the great intercessor on behalf of his brothers. It's Judah who offers himself as the substitute, taking the place of whatever might come to Benjamin and taking it on himself. Why Judah? Which tribe was the Lord Jesus Christ born into? The tribe of, yeah, not Joseph, Judah. He is, help me with this phrase, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And here you have these wonderful pointers from Judah gloriously redeemed himself towards his greater son, Jesus Christ, the dearly loved son of God, who will be born into the world through this line. And the pointers are beautiful, and so are the contrasts. Think about this. Judah was the brother who offered himself in place of the loved and favored son. But Jesus is the loved and favored son who offers himself in the place of his brothers. Judah was the guilty one. That is, he was guilty of grieving the father and in his earlier life of hating the son. These were particular sins of which Benjamin was not a part. Judah was the guilty one offering himself in the place of the innocent. But Jesus was the innocent one offering himself in the place of the guilty. Judah offered to become a slave in order to set his brother free. Jesus had to go to a cross in order to set his people free. Judah made an offer to do something very, very great, but in the mercy of Joseph, he was prevented from going through with it. 
Jesus not only offered to become our substitute, he did it. Bearing shame and scoffing root, in my place condemned, he stood. And he sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What a Savior. That's Judah. An application for the brothers. And here's where the challenge of this passage, I think, comes to all of our hearts. We've seen that the heart of true repentance, the transformation that God by his Holy Spirit brings in a person's life, is to stop grieving the Father and to start loving the Son. So now let's apply the challenge of that to ourselves today. Stop grieving the Father. My prayer for today is that God will bring many of us to a place of saying, you know what, there are areas of my life where I have been following the impulse of my own sinful heart. And I've been bringing sorrow to the Father through my thoughts, through my words, through my deeds, through my pretense, my lies, my secret. And I can no longer grieve the Father. It has to end here. I see what I've been doing. And it has to stop. From today, I live to please the Father. I want to live under the Father's smile. I want to be a joy to the Father's heart. I am done with grieving God, my heavenly Father. Do not grieve the Spirit. And then, to start loving the Son... Think about these brothers taking their stand with Benjamin. We can't give him up. We're all in with him. We don't know what that's going to mean when we get back to Egypt. And there's many things that we might fear could happen when we get there. But we're all in with Benjamin. We're with the dearly loved son. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, wherever that leads. Are you ready to take your stand with Jesus Christ as the brothers took their stand with Benjamin today? Will you say today, I am all in with Jesus Christ, whatever that costs, whatever it leads, whatever it takes. I am taking my stand with Jesus Christ. You know, when Benjamin saw that the brothers were not going to give him up. I could imagine if he'd lived in another time and place, he might have said something like this. Well, if you guys are really going to come with me, you know what? You'd better be ready to take up your cross and follow me. And that's what Jesus said. You're going to be all in with me, the crucified, in this world? You're going to stand for me in the world that hates the dearly loved son and has a visceral reaction to one who lays claim to be sovereign over our lives, you're going to stand with me. You're going to have to take up your cross. You're not going to be liked for that. I've got to stop grieving the father with the lies and pretense. I've got to be all in with the son, whatever it costs, whatever it takes. And the very last thing is what we learn from Joseph at this point in the story and it's simply this, it points us to the fact that Jesus Christ makes himself known as a brother to repentant sinners. It's, it's when this transformation has taken place 
that the brothers come to know Joseph not only as the sovereign ruler, they've already come to know him that way, but now they discover that he really is Joseph and that he is their brother. And of course, that's chapter 45. And really, it's for next week, but I I can't wait till next week. I mean, uh, you know, it, it seems to take forever. So let me just read the first couple of verses as we draw to a close here. Look at this chapter 45. Then, see, then, when there's this transformation that the brothers are no longer grieving the father and they're no longer hating the son, there's been a change. Grace has come into their lives. Then, Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Can you imagine that moment? The Holy Spirit pours out the knowledge of the love of God into the hearts of those who stop grieving the Father and start loving the Son. You want to know the love of God poured out into your life today? You say, yeah, I know that there's a great God and he's a sovereign ruler and he knows everything about me. But what I really need is to know the love of God poured into my heart today. Stop grieving the Father. Start loving the Son. Bow before Christ as your sovereign Lord. And he will make himself known to you as your gracious Savior and as your loving brother. What a great way to finish today's broadcast with Pastor Colin Smith being reminded that we need to stop grieving the Father and start loving the Son as our Sovereign Lord, Jesus Christ. If you've been listening and realise this is something that you haven't yet done, but you'd like to, please take time to talk to a trusted Christian friend or family member or maybe seek out a church in your locality. Go along and speak to folks there. You will be welcomed. You can also contact us at Open the Bible. Go to our website, openthebible.org.uk, click on Contact Us and send us an email. If you missed any of today's broadcast or you want to go back and hear any of our earlier broadcasts, you can always do that on the website, openthebible.org.uk. Open the Bible is supported by its listeners. If you're able to support us with a regular gift of £5 or more, We'd like to thank you by sending you a copy of a book. It was written many years ago, but it will be new to many of you. It's called simply Holiness. And Colin, who is this book for? Well, it's in the title. It's for everyone who wants to pursue a holy life. And you know what? That has to be every believer, because the Bible says, without holiness, we will not see the Lord. But here's the question. What's the relationship between God accepting us, the Bible calls that justification, and God changing us, the Bible calls that sanctification. Does God only accept us when he changes us? And uh, if God has accepted us before he changes us, is it okay just to rest happy that he's accepted us? Well, Ryle really gets into these issues. What is the relationship 
between justification and sanctification, between God accepting you so that you have peace with him through Jesus Christ and God changing you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? I think most of the main questions that I get asked as a pastor, questions that trouble ordinary believers, arise from a confusion between these two things, justification and sanctification. It's about, well, you know, I'm not yet the Christian that I want to be. I've not yet changed as much as I would like to. Has God really accepted me? You see, that that's right on the hinge between these two things. And Ryle gets at that in such a clear and biblical way. That's why this is such a helpful book. It will help every Christian to make sense of their own experience. We want to send you a copy of this book. It's my J.C. Ryle. You can find details of this offer, along with how you can support Open the Bible by giving. Just go to our website, openthebible.org.uk. For Pastor Colin Smith and Open the Bible, I'm David Pick, and we look forward to you joining us next time. Open the Bible is a listener-supported production. How do you get to the place of reconciling with someone you've had a falling out with? Find out next time on Open the Bible.